0: big shout-out to everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Live from D-Block, where we keep it real and keep it relevant. Once again, bringing things back to the forefront after a two-week hiatus. I want to welcome you back to another explosive and thought-provoking segment, as we are broadcasting once again live from the belly of the beast, from the deep trenches of the criminal justice system, behind the walls. I am, as always, your enthusiastic host and patron, Ezekiel Thomas, grateful and honored for the privilege of your time. Guys, I gotta tell you, this has been an extraordinary odyssey for me. To traverse the emotional terrain of the criminal mind, a mind that was once my own, and to be able to delve deeply into the very nature of hurt that drives that process, that drives that thinking, that drives that behavior, with you as my audience and companion, has been quite remarkable. I think by analogy, it's been, it's been like a guided tour through one of the most obscure and complex thinking disorders in our time. And and i felt privileged to be a part of this healing process through the provision of uh, sound commentary on this condition. I think the natural progression of this process is to transition the conversation from simply being an oral critique of criminal deviance to providing you with some literary resources to further deepen your evaluation of the subject and the subject content. And once again, I want to say that this, this is an extraordinary process, and it represents an extraordinary moment in the overall understanding of the criminal mind and the personality that is produced from criminal thinking. So one such resource that I want to provide you with is a book that I recently authored entitled Healing the Criminal Mind, and this book intended to explore very key facets of not only the pathology of criminal thinking, but also the principles for healing the criminal mentality in itself. Now, in our last segment, we talked about how emotional toxins such as negative life beliefs and uh, false life assumptions can play a very significant role in fostering criminal deviance and in fostering an oppositional view of the world. And in summary, I think we arrived at, I can say quite confidently, that we arrived at three basic conclusions. About the criminal mind. And the first one was that the criminal mentality is based on a lot of false assumptions that limit the way a person sees life, the way a person sees people, and the way a person conceives possibility. Second, um, what we realized and what we came to understand was that many of these assumptions have been based on past life experiences that are often characterized by trauma, tragedy, and generational dysfunction. Third, we realized that there was a need to challenge these assumptions. And that challenging these assumptions will require introducing new relationships and new life knowledge into the criminal thought process that helps to deprogram old criminal thinking patterns while at the same time broadening the perspective of the criminal. So a part of that re-education process is what I want to talk about today within the context of my book, which emphasizes or which we will attempt to emphasize Um, in this discussion, such things as identity crisis, negative self-opinions, an oppositional worldview, and finally thinking errors and dysfunctional life beliefs that hinder the process of remorse-driven transformation. Now, in the end, I want you to think about this. The benefactor of this process of change and this process of transformation is not just a criminal, right? Who experiences the self-transformation and who experiences the redemption? But be the benefactor is also society. And it's also the victims who have been uh, the innocent bystanders of the criminal uh, 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 mindset, who have been the innocent victims of criminal thinking and criminal behavior. The end goal, my friend, is to create a world where there are no more victims who are uh, uh, brutalized or who are victimized by criminal thinking and criminal behavior. There is no more destruction, there is no more pain, there is no more waste, there is no more trauma associated with the indifference and the insensitivity of a person who has lost his or her capacity to connect with the humanity of other people. That is the end goal. And that's a noble goal and it's a goal worth pursuing. And I believe that what this will eventually foster is what I describe as remorse-driven transformation, remorse-driven rehabilitation. And this leads to a total change of the criminal and finally healing of the criminal mind, and in a framework for understanding that the dynamics of that process can be found in my book, Healing the Criminal Mind. Um, that book provides a basis uh, for uh, developing a framework for interpreting criminal impulses and the roots of the criminal logic and the roots of the, to, the, to the criminal rationale. But it's also going to be in future discussions a basis for how we conversate about criminals and criminal thinking and behavior. Now, today, I want to focus some attention on what I can describe as being uh, foundational to personal change and criminal reform, and that is the issue of remorse, which I mentioned, aforementioned uh, a, a few moments ago. Remorse. Uh, it's such an important part of the criminal rehabilitation process and the healing process of the criminal mind that I addressed in chapter one of my book entitled Remorse and the Path to Redemption. But I want to get a little deeper into this subject by asking some very pertinent questions about remorse. What is remorse? What are the emotional dynamics and the conditions that must first occur to produce a remorseful mind? I mean, is remorse something that we express by words, or is it something that we express by action? Is remorse something that we learn, or is it innate and instinctive to our nature as human beings? I want you to understand that these are not just rhetorical questions. These are very, very deep and profound philosophical questions. They have real life implications. On the thinking and behavior of real people, uh, they produce real consequences. They affect real relationships when they are not answered in a very healthy way. So, these questions are serious. And I pose these questions because they naturally transition from our last conversation about um, an unhealthy emotional life and moving into the next phase of criminal healing. Transitioning out of the toxic belief process, out of these false life assumptions, into a remorse mind, is the natural progression of the conversation. And remorse, or developing a remorseful mind can be considered the apex of healing and the beginning stage of true redemption. But all of the emotional uh, 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 baggage that we've discussed and all of the emotional levels that we will encounter or that the criminal will encounter, none of them are more significant than the, the, the emotional level or the emotional tier of developing a remorseful mind. None of them uh more significant than this process um and i want to discuss that for a little while for for a few seconds Um, i want to talk about why grasping remorse in a concrete philosophical way is important because if it's not achieved then there can be no transition into reform thinking from criminal thinking and i want to tell you why Criminals tend to have a very difficult time understanding remorse, even though it represents a very significant part to rehabilitation. They still have a very uh, difficult time conceptualizing what remorse is. What is remorse and how should it be applied? And one of the biggest reasons for this is because when we think of remorse, we're thinking of something that is a relational concept. Remorse is relational, right? It is a idea that involves a reconciliation between two people. The problem is that since many criminals have never had positive social experiences, since many of them have never had healthy interpersonal relationships with others, it becomes very difficult to develop a basic relational outlook that sees social bonding with other people in a healthy way. So in other words, we can only become remorseful towards people and be willing to resolve or restore relationships with other people if we have not first, um, if we have not prevented ourselves from being able to see social bonding in relationships in a healthy way. See, criminal action attacks social bonding. Criminal action attacks the social chemistry between two people, whereas remorse attempts to reconcile and restore that process as long as a person has a very deficient way of looking at relationships or sees relationships as something hostile as something as something adverse then that person will not be able to develop the remorseful mind needed for criminal rehabilitation because remorse requires having a relational outlook on life and a relational a healthy relational outlook between you and another person. What happens with criminals is that they tend to see relationships as an opportunity to be victimized by others. They've been so hurt, they've been so damaged, they've been so wounded by past relationships that they have lost faith and trust, not only in relationships, but also in people, right? As we transition our conversation into the, the process of healing the criminal mind, one of the first things that the criminal mind has to heal from is this negative view of relationships. This this view of relationships as being the the enemy of safety and the enemy of happiness. These stereotypes that have been generalized into such a way that they form a general indictment against all people because of past relationships that have been negative with just a few. That we've had interpersonal experiences that have been characterized by tragedy, trauma, and abuse, and because of that, we project onto the world this this presumption that all relationships and all people would treat us as we as we have been treated in the past. In other words, you are seeing the present moment through the eyes of past hurt. My book, as we transition through uh, the content, will address the healing process systematically, but starting with remorse as the foundation for criminal rehabilitation. And as we evaluate this, we will realize that this represents, well, this is a product of what we've described um, in some of our other segments as the people's wound. The, people, the people's wound is a wound that has, that has developed from negative relationships with people. A, relation, uh, a relationships that have forced us to see people in a negative way. Healing the people's wound is a first necessary step to developing a positive relational look or view of people. That positive relational view of people is also foundational to developing a remorseful mind and a remorseful personality that is able to see the wrong of victimizing others. You have 60 seconds remaining. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's our cue. So as we move forward, I want you to remember this, right? As we wind down on these points, I want you to remember that healing is serious business. The criminal mind is very wounded and very damaged, and healing is very serious. I want you to stay focused, stay positive, and stay healed. Yeah, yeah.